Hello, college football fans. Welcome back to College Football Throwdown, episode 90. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello there, college football fans and Husker fans. All right. Yes, we are recording this here in late September of 2020. I know it's been a while since our last podcast. Uh, If you're in the iTunes feed right now, we did one uh, previewing the national championship game back in December, I believe, or early January. Uh, And uh, there's been a lot that's gone on in uh, 2020 since then. (laughs) That feels like a (laughs) lifetime ago, actually. Um, But uh, we are back now, um, especially now that uh, the Big Ten has decided to continue with the football season starting in October, uh, which obviously motivates us Husker fans. You know, we didn't necessarily want to be commenting on all the drama and the votes, you know, because things were changing so fast. I don't know how we would have even kept up with it all. But, you know, there's a plan now, and uh, we're here to talk about it today. Absolutely. It's it's finally uh, we got through all that crap, and hopefully we can now shift our focus to what we should be enjoying here in the fall of the year. That's right. And for those of you who may be listening to this for the first time, this is College Football Throwdown, a college football podcast by college football fans for college football fans. And we here are a father-son duo. Uh, I'm broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, while Dad is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan at the moment in his RV. And we are here to talk about Nebraska football specifically, but also the wider college landscape. And... uh, we're going to start things off on today's episode, picking off where we were as of episode 89 with that uh, national championship game that happened. Uh, it was a pretty fun game, you know, for like, as I recall, like two and a half quarters. And then, you know, in the second half, um, LSU's kind of started to pull away. Uh, but we right. gave our usual predictions and I was uh, confident in uh, Clemson pulling out the upset, given just how, you know, well, they always seem to play in high-pressure situations. So I predicted a 35-31 Clemson victory, Was you predicted a 28-21 LSU victory. And the final score ended up being 42-25, so it was a little more lopsided than either of us were thinking, but you got uh, LSU correct on that one. Joe Burrows was playing lights out that night, so congratulations, He sure Dad. was. There you go. Well, you know, I... Uh... A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. (laughs) I guess that's so. Um, And, uh, of course, you know, there's a lot that's been going on in terms of recruiting on the Nebraska side of things and players and coaches moving around and all that. But um, we plan on getting into that in a future podcast. Uh, For now, we want to focus on this new uh, Big Ten schedule that's just recently been released and kind of what the game plan is moving forward. Um, I am not as tied into the college football world as you are, you know, I'm not uh, on all the Husker forums seeing what everybody's talking about. So I didn't follow the play by play of the different votes of the big 10 and uh, what the commissioner, Kevin Warren was saying, you know, I just kind of saw the broad strokes. I knew it was like a 10, three vote, you know, with us, Ohio state and Iowa wanting to play initially. Um, And then there was, you know, further movement, uh, by those who are opposed and, you know, threatenings of lawsuits and things like that uh, until uh, the Big Ten kind of changed their mind here this past week. That's right. And, and uh, yeah, like I say, I don't want to harp on it too too much other than the fact that it was a very painful roller coaster that those who are passionate about 
you know, the, 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 the big 10 conference and the university of Nebraska specifically, you know, uh, it was really hard to, to accept the, this notion that, you know, uh, the uh, three of the other power conferences were going to move forward with uh, what we viewed uh, as a reasonable plan to attempt to play sports, you know, doing things like limiting, you know, attendance and, and obviously putting the players in uh, isolation as best they possibly could uh, within the framework of their campus life, et cetera, et cetera, and trying to move forward with the idea of still playing, you know, as many games as they could because the implication of not playing, which it seemed the Big Ten chose to do rather easily, frankly, uh, what is not just a, you know, billion-dollar decision for them as a group, you know, the Big Ten Conference itself and the Big Ten Network, but it's also a multi-billion-dollar implication to the 14 communities that make up the, the schools, you know, the cities that the schools reside in of that. And and so it was a massive, massive decision, and they, they uh, I, I think, executed very poorly what that uh, uh, what that process was supposed to be. Um, yeah, it was very it was very apparent that a number of major players in that decision process did not want to play. Yeah, well, I think it's wherever you fall on the the argument, as it were, it's clear that the Big Ten, from a PR perspective, did not handle it uh, well, and there was not no. uh, much transparency. Like I know with the the right. Pac-12 decided not to play, they at least like cited you know like official medical you know reports and data you know, that they had done in terms of like why they weren't doing it. Um, but the, right. the big 10 wasn't nearly as upfront about that sort of information. Exactly. And they weren't upfront about, uh, about the votes uh, initially. I mean, the vote had to be basically pried out of them and it really didn't even come out uh, uh, that what the vote was. And I, and there's still plenty of people who, who believe that there wasn't actually a formal vote, which would be uh, a violation of the bylaws of the big 10 conference. So to make a multi-billion-dollar decision and not have a formal vote, so you can reference who who made that decision and who was on which side of that decision, is is a breach of your responsibilities. And and so yes, there there were all kinds of things about the, how they handled that. It showed tremendously the arrogance of uh, the, the Big Ten conference because they genuinely had no expectation that the reaction would be as negative as it was. They were totally caught flat-footed on that. And they genuinely thought everyone else would fall in line. They did not think that the SEC and the ACC, uh, they, they figured the SEC would be the last domino to fall, but they felt like after they made their decision, Pac-12 would follow them, and then the ACC would follow them. What they didn't anticipate was that Notre Dame really wanted to play. And so Notre Dame dangled the carrot of, we'll be a member of your conference for a year, ACC, if you guys play. So the Notre Dame's offer to become a, an actual member of the conference so that they could control the environment that their players were in much like you can when you're in a conference. So that it's conference only kind of games. They said, we'll do that for this year. And that was a great opportunity for the ACC. So they seized on it. And so when they didn't cancel, then the big 12 didn't cancel. And clearly the SEC was definitely not going to cancel if those guys didn't. Right. So that changed the entire landscape of what we were looking at. Yeah. And and frankly, none of it should have been canceled uh, if if we had looked at this properly, in, in my view. Uh, but I don't want to get into all the minutia of that. There was plenty of back and forth and, and all that. The, the thing that I want to emphasize is what was the role that Nebraska played, right? And uh, 
I, I don't believe I'm, I'm going to overstate this. Now, obviously, my my uh, perspective on this is colored with with the red glasses of Nebraska sports fan. However, I believe I can objectively say that if it wasn't for the fact that Nebraska's had consistency and they were all in lockstep uh, leadership wise from the governor of the state all the way down to the head coach. Uh, Scott wanted this. Our athletic director wanted it. Our chancellor wanted it. Our president of the university wanted it and our governor wanted it. So everyone was in lockstep and very much wanted to see the games played. In fact, very much wanted to see as many fans of the stadiums as they believe they could safely put in the, in the stadium. And we'll get to that in, in another podcast as well as the whole uh, additional ramifications and decisions that ultimately uh, arrived uh, in the compromise that led us to getting games. Uh, there's a lot that was compromised to get there. Uh, but if it wasn't for Nebraska's initial push, I don't think this ever even gets revisited. And Nebraska's initial push absolutely kept this discussion on the table. Now, because Nebraska doesn't have the credibility within its new, quote, quote, new conference of the Big Ten, because we're not a heavyweight within that conference, we needed a heavyweight to step in and, 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 and uh, agree with us and side with us. And we got that partner in Ohio State. And so if it wasn't for Ohio State, then this goes nowhere and, and we're just the crybaby that that people perceived us to be when there was initial reaction from the media, which was completely inaccurate. And and I would love to go into more detail about that. But again, that's that's for my rant section, which will happen on other podcasts down the road. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. uh, for Dad's this rant, that could be yes. a new topic. <laughs> exactly. But for this, the bottom line is without Nebraska doing that initial push and then getting Ohio State. And then Nebraska's, uh, some of Nebraska's players, their parents took it the next step. This was not prompted by the university, even though some people would like to say it was. But the bottom line is there were some parents that were upset enough and felt like their kid, their kids were being singled out to, to lose an opportunity. And this absolutely represents an opportunity for these players. These parents decided that they were going to take it to court because of that transparency issue you already brought up. The Big Ten had been so, you know, um, obscure, uh, uh, just what, what's the word I'm looking Ob- for? Obfuscating. Yes, that word. Uh, they, were, they were not being transparent about the information, about what was discussed, about who was in favor, who wasn't, uh, which the parents wanted to know, what, where was the medical data? What was the data? Because some of this uh, uh, medical data that, that, came out right before that decision ended up uh, being uh, kind of pooed, poo-pooed by the, the medical establishment. Lots of uh, cardiologists came out saying this, this report was a horrible report, uh, was not peer reviewed. The data didn't even make sense. Uh, there was all kinds of things. And, and eventually that report was retracted from its authors and uh, to be redone. Okay. So, uh, and they were, it was a major driver in why they decided to cancel to begin with. So, you know, let's discuss that stuff. But the Big Ten was trying to CYA and was trying to block every bit of information. So there was a group of nine Nebraska parents who took it to court. And, and because of the timeliness of it, timely, timely nature of it, they got it in court very quickly and forced the Big Ten to the courtroom in Lincoln, uh, in Lancaster County. And so the Big Ten had to step up, and it was because of some of that 
sharing that was ha- going to have to happen that um, I believe that was significant and motivating the Big Ten to um, reconsider. And then uh, when the uh, President uh, Trump got involved, um, they didn't like that necessarily. However, they it was significant what he was offering, which was this uh, fast test procedure, right? And saying, hey, we've got resources here. We can help you because uh, the, uh, the President Trump recognized the huge financial implication that this represents to the communities and the states involved. I mean, this is a big deal and uh, economically. Mm-hmm. And um, he wanted to offer his assistance. So he did. And they had productive discussions and actually helped lead the Big Ten to a, uh, a decision that allows them to have a protocol for testing that's going to allow them to test their athletes much more frequently than they were originally planning on. And that was the key enabler that allowed this to happen. So um, in this also was obviously the big kahuna of the Big Ten for the last decade has been Ohio State in football. And their uh, uh, strength and adamant uh, being adamant supporters of wanting to play because they have a potential national championship caliber team. They wanted the opportunity to do that. They have a quarterback who could potentially be a Heisman Trophy winner. So uh, all those things said, Ohio State was critical in this. And if it wasn't for them, this never moves forward. But I also would say that it never gets started. It never even begins without Nebraska and the the, the uh, initial consistent message that they had on their end of things. And then ultimately that lawsuit pushed the, the, the discomfort of the Big Ten Conference to the point where they had to act and do something. Otherwise, they were going to get exposed for probably not following their, their protocol procedures properly in their meetings and getting exposed for not managing their, their own affairs the way they needed to. So to keep that from ever being exposed in the public, they needed to ad- address this. And there were other lawsuits that were going to be pending, too. Other, other schools were going to do it after us. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, anyway. I'm curious because uh, I haven't actually talked to you about this in our own uh, conversations, but um, you have a good friend who's also up there in Michigan named uh, Brian Clower, who's a big Michigan fan of the Michigan Wolverines. Um, yes. What was his, I'm sure you guys talked about all this drama. What was his kind of take on it? We absolutely did. And, and he was 100% uh, in, in favor of playing 100% uh, in agreement w- with me on, on most matters. Uh, and I railed him mercilessly because one of the strongest op- opponents to playing was the University of Michigan and specifically the University of Michigan's president and the Michigan governor who did not want to see this happen. And so uh, there were there were, um, you know, certainly implications from the governor's office in Michigan that they would not uh, allow Michigan and Michigan State to play, even if they decided to play, uh, unless certain things happened, blah, 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 blah. And uh, the Michigan president uh, uh, actually uh, ended up getting a lot of what he wanted, uh, because even though we now have a schedule and we have the hopes of playing a football season, uh, as we'll talk in greater length, the Michigan president um, uh, was able to secure uh, enough uh, rules and requirements for this to take place that will almost assuredly uh, cause many of the games, if not more than half of the games to never be played. Um, And I'll get into that long uh, more in our next podcast. So that's a teaser for our next podcast to talk about uh, the rules regarding 
how we can move forward and play. Right. Okay. So we're recording this on Sunday, the 20th of September, and just on Friday, the official schedule for all the teams was released. Actually, it was Saturday morning. Okay. Saturday morning, yep. Saturday morning. My apologies. Yep. No, uh, that's okay. <laughs> so I've got it right here in front of me, and I'll go over it right now. Mm-hmm. Just list it all mm-hmm. out. Uh, so yep. it begins for us on the 24th of October with Nebraska playing at Ohio State, and then... Mm-hmm. Every week after that, there's no breaks, just week after week of playing. Uh, we Then we play at home against Wisconsin, at Northwestern, home with Penn State, home with Illinois, at Iowa, at Purdue, and then uh, home with Minnesota to end the season with then on the 19th is when the Big Ten Championship game will be played, and they talked about plus one games uh, potentially being right. played by the other teams on that weekend, and, de- and depend. It's kind of a neat concept. I, I love the concept, and I and I hope it it is executed to a reasonable degree enough to where they see the value of it, and maybe it, it's something that survives this COVID period. Uh, but that the idea would be to have on that championship week that you would have, you know, obviously the two divisions one versus one uh, play each other for the championship, right? Uh, that would be the big game at the end of the day. But leading up to that would be a series of games that would happen probably on Friday night and, and then Saturday morning leading up to the evening of the of the championship game where you would have uh, seven versus seven play, six versus six play, five versus five play, four, four, three, three, two, two. So, um, you know, the divisions would play each other based on their ranking uh, within uh, the, the standings uh, for each division. Uh, I think that would be a, a, a really cool thing to do, and it would allow uh, teams to get an extra game in, and, and particularly in a year like this where you're trying to maybe jockey for enough wins, so to speak, to get bowl eligible. It would help clarify some things on that. Right. Um, yeah. So I love that idea. Yeah, it is, it is a fun idea. You know, it, in the context of a normal season, you know, it might be uh, maybe <clears> – <throat> too many games for some teams because you've already played, you know, a 13 game schedule at that point. But in the context of this year where we've got eight, uh, adding right. another definitely makes sense. I would say. Right. Exactly. Right. So, uh, yep. I, I think it's neat, but yeah. So the, the here's the thing. There's, there is a, there's a lot has been said about the schedules. Um, the schedules really aren't that different than the previous version of the schedule that we had, which was a 10 game schedule that was going to be conference only. So the very first attempt that the Big Ten put in place uh, to try to address COVID, they, they announced a 10-game schedule, as you'll recall, back in August, right? right? And then six days later, they canceled the season. So that that never saw the light of day, so to speak, beyond those few days, right? But during in those 10-game schedules, this schedule is pretty darn close to that schedule. Uh, it's just that it's eight instead of ten, right? So they had to get li- they got rid of two of the crossover games. You're you're playing all six of your your divisional opponents, right? And then you're playing two crossover games. Right. So that's that's what makes up these schedules. And we had in that ten game schedule uh, back on August, we had four crossover games. So those four crossover teams were um, uh, Rutgers was going to be the very first game that we played. Uh, uh, it was going to be Rutgers, Ohio State, Penn State, and I believe Indiana. So those were our four 
crossover teams uh, from the other division. Okay. Um, now with this abbreviated schedule now down to eight games, uh, you're only getting two crossovers. The two that they picked to keep on our schedule were of course, Ohio state and Penn state. Now the order in which we played was changed quite significantly. Um, the most dramatic thing being Nebraska has to play Ohio state who most people would argue if under a normal year, Ohio state probably would have been a top four ranked team going into the season, maybe top two, right? Uh, they're going to be a national championship contender in, in most people's minds. And so for us to have to go out there and play the very first game of this season out in Columbus against Ohio state is, is a tough draw. Now that in itself would be, tough but okay whatever but then who do we play the next week the defending champion of the big 10 west wisconsin and then we play you know a northwestern team that maybe you could argue is a is is a game we won last year and might might be able to win again this year but then we play penn state on that fourth week uh, uh, and then not long after that you're playing iowa so i mean it, it really is uh those first you know four games it's crazy, right? Yeah. Well, so, that was my first impression. I texted you about that, like that the the first half right. looks brutal. Um, yeah, and and but, it is. But you know, and then as a result of that, you know, the second half is less so. You know, getting like exactly. Purdue and Minnesota and Illinois. And, you know, and but and really from a crossover standpoint, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, I, I don't. We couldn't have a better time to play Ohio State than first game. I, I think it's the right time for us to play them. Do you think just because like it's such a weird year for everybody, there's like yes, it, it's like well everything's up in the air, you know who who cares exactly? Well, and nobody has had no, not so much who cares, but nobody. I mean, if you've watched the games that have already been played this season by the teams that have already started playing because they didn't have spring practice, nobody did hardly really. Um, you know, they didn't have uh, a, a typical summer preparation season. They they just everything's been disrupted. And as a result, the quality of play, as a general rule, has not been as high early in the season as it would normally be, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I believe that that will be true, even with a highly talented team like Ohio State, that there's going to be some rust they got to knock off. And and frankly, we have a we have a better chance of maybe being able to take advantage of a few uh, errors, you know, uh, uncharacteristic mistakes that Ohio State might induce. Uh, on themselves because it's first game, right? right? There's a few new players. It's not like they had 22 returning starters. So, you know, there's a chance that uh, uh, they could make some mistakes that would present some opportunities for us. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, are, are we likely to win? No, we're not. I, I totally get that. I, I, to me, this season is all about what we do against our, our West Division opponents. You know, the fact that we have to play Ohio State and Penn State as our crossovers, I I don't care. Uh, we're going to do our best to win each of those games, obviously. We get to play Penn State in Lincoln, which, by the way, right now we've played P- Penn State four times since we joined the conference in 2011, and we've played them once in Lincoln and three times out there at Penn State. That's the same situation we find ourselves in with uh, University of Michigan as well. Um uh, now Michigan's not on our schedule this year, but the point is, is that we get to fight and they get Penn State back in Lincoln. So uh, I'm excited about just having Penn State a team like that come to the Memorial Stadium. That's a cool deal. 
Yeah. 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 And I, I hadn't quite thought of uh, your perspective on it. You know, Ohio State and those other teams uh, have more to lose, certainly, you know, from like making uncharacteristic oh. mistakes versus us. Um, so right. in a way, it kind of comes to our oh, advantage. Well, absolutely. Um, we're, we're, we're playing with, uh, you know, with house money. Right. We got nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, I think it will just be interesting, obviously, once, you know, we're we're looking back on all this year years later. I mean, I don't know how we're going to view the season because there's no way, you know, it's going to have like an asterisk next to it. You know, it's going to be this weird situation. So I think, you know, uh, and we're not we're not a national championship caliber team regardless you know whether it was a normal year or not you know we were never going to be competing for national championship so i think you know frost and the team just need to look at this as okay this is just you know a bump on the road of our rebuilding process but that's what we're focused on is like just improving ourselves as a team and like you said like staying focused on how we're doing within our own internal conference absolutely our division division yes absolutely so we have a chance you know if we can play hard at Ohio State, uh, play respectable, and and learn a few things about ourselves in that game, and then be able to use that film to make us better, and we don't come out of there just beat to a pulp, which would be my big fear is that we lose a bunch of our talent to injuries and such, uh, because Ohio State's just so much bigger and stronger and better than us that that guys get hurt. But if we can avoid a lot of injuries uh, during an Ohio State game. Then we have the chance to uh, play the following week against Wisconsin in Lincoln. Okay. And keep in mind, you know, yes, Wisconsin has our number since we joined the league. It's like eight and one, right? They've beat us eight times. We've won one, or maybe it's seven and one. I don't remember, but, but it's something like that. And, but a, uh, a number of those games have been blowouts, no doubt about it. But a number of those games have been uh, quite close. Um, when it comes to what what we were doing for, you know, say the first two and a half, three quarters of the game. And then we invariably just uh, break down and collapse and physically they dominate, right? And then they would run up some numbers on us. So we're closer to them than I think we understand we are. And, um, and I think that maybe this year we get to show a little of that. And so not that I'm predicting a win, but I'm predicting that we're going to be close. And then Northwestern's a team that actually we've had a great uh, back and forth with, and, but I think we are in a position that we could beat them. Um, so, right. uh, you know, you get, to, you get to that fourth week and you're playing Penn State at home, and let's say you've found a way to beat Wisconsin and Northwestern. Now you're 2-1 and one and you're playing Penn State and Lincoln. Hey, some positive things can start happening. But even if none of that happens and you're 0-4, then the second half of that schedule it, it, it produces maybe the opportunity to build some late season momentum that we can carry in the next year. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess looking at this, you know, I think my kind of best case scenario, you know, being realistic is that we're five and three by the end, having lost oh, that's to best case, right. Yeah. Having lost to Ohio state, Wisconsin and Penn state, which then means right. we'd be, uh, I guess four or five and one, you know, within the actual division division. Right. Uh, which, you know, I would, which I would put consider that a great second. Success. Yeah. I, I would consider that a great success for the, for the team. Uh, if we could get there. Right. Uh, five and three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I think realistically, <laughs> uh, you know, four, four and four is reasonable. 
you know, three and four is also reasonable, but might might have a tinge of disappointment in my mind, you know. So, but yeah, somewhere in that 50, 500, you know, four and four or five and three, I would be feeling pretty good about the progress that that represents for us as we go into the following year, 2021. Right. Hopefully in a normal fashion. Yes, definitely. All right. And so I think the last thing we wanted to talk about today um, is to go over some of the games that have happened because, you know, there has been football. I believe the SEC starts playing next weekend. So um, it, it was kind of funny. I was looking at the AP poll and Alabama's ranked number two, even though they're currently zero and zero. Which is, right. It's just kind of a funny situation. It's odd. Yeah. Um, right. But uh, well, and now they got they, they just introduced and Big Ten wasn't in the previous polls. Right. And now they are this week for the first time. And Ohio State entered the poll at number 10. And I think it's because some of the voters didn't even know that the Big Ten was being included. Because I don't <laughs> think uh, – so I, I would bet you money that next week, because then it's it's now obvious that the Big Ten is, is included in the poll again, that next week uh, uh, Ohio State will move up to probably fourth. You know, something like that. Right. <laughs> That's funny. We move up six places, guys. We didn't even play. Woohoo! Right. Um, exactly. But uh, um, I wrote down here. You know, some of the 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 more memorable games are just from looking at the scores and the uh, who was ranked and all that. Um, in week two of play, um, Louisiana played against twenty uh, third ranked Iowa State and beat them thirty one fourteen, which is kind of a surprising upset. Yeah. Yeah, and Iowa. Well, Iowa State, you know, people thought was was going to be one of the better teams in the Big 12. The Big 12 on that weekend took a bath. They just got hammered. Um, they because uh, not only did the Iowa State lose, but um, somebody else lost also. Uh, Texas Tech nearly lost to like, um, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of the, the Louisiana Christian or something like that. I mean, like. Uh, 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 right, a nobody. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, a team that they they really had. I don't. Even, I, I think it might have been an FCS team. You know, um, so Texas Tech really struggled, but then ended up winning like thirty four, thirty one, and then somebody else lost. Oh, Kansas State. Kansas State lost to somebody that they were not expected to lose to. So oh. the Big Twelve had three of their teams, and Kansas State and Iowa State being two of the teams that people thought were going to be some of the better teams in the league. And they lost their very first game. Okay. I, I think when I was looking at the ESPN results, it may have been like that top 25 only version. So yeah. I'm sure I'm missing right. some games then. Um, yep. The other interesting one I saw here from week two is that number 10 Notre Dame played against Duke and won, uh, but it was 27-13. Um, so not as right. wide as you'd expect um, from a good Notre Dame team. Right. Uh, yep. Uh, although Notre Dame's a team that I think has a lot of talent, young talent. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch them because they're a team that I think has the potential to have a to, to improve significantly as the season progresses, especially since they're now because they're part of the ACC this year, they're going to play primarily ACC teams. So, you know, they're not playing their traditional big games against USC or, um, you know, one of the Michigan schools or, um, you know, uh, Stanford. You know, they're not playing any of those traditional rivalry games that they would normally play so um you know uh they're only playing the acc teams which the acc outside of clemson is is kind of down this year yeah and then uh in week three uh 
staying on that line about the Big 12, um, Oklahoma State beat Tulsa, uh, but it was 16-7, to and I believe they were actually losing until they pulled it together in the fourth quarter. They were. I, I actually listened to quite a bit of that game. Um, I didn't get to watch it, but I was listening on the radio. And, um, um, yes, f- frankly, uh, uh, Oklahoma State's lost their quarterback in, like, the third series of the game. Their starter uh, had a, uh, got an injury and was done for the game. So then their backup came in, and for the like the next five series, I don't know that they got more than maybe one first down. Mm. So they were just completely inept offensively. Um, you know, once their starter left the game, um, and and then Tulsa was playing good enough defensively to uh, let them hang around. And so even though Oklahoma State's defense did a pretty darn good job of stopping Tulsa's offense, Tulsa was in the lead and looked like they might be able to pull this thing out. But then they finally, you know, had a couple of big plays late in the game that allowed them to swing it their way. Gotcha. And then that same uh, Louisiana team that beat Iowa State had a game against Georgia State and ended up winning right. 34-31 in overtime. Right. And and that's one of those things where they were reading too much of their own pre- press clippings right after coming out and playing a ranked opponent in which, you know, uh, you out- outperformed expectations. And the next week you lay an egg. That's just classic college football, right? Right. Totally classic. Um, but uh, to their credit, they did pull it out in the end, which shows the maturity and, and uh, the fact that they're kind of a senior-laden team with some talent uh, to boot. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens for the rest of the year in their league. Um, but, again, the things that I would want to take away from early season is that, number one, uh, the, 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 the play has been a little rougher than normal because this has been such an abnormal year. They have not had the preparation that they normally would have. And so pretty much every team is a little behind the schedule, if you will, relative to the a normal practice uh, you know, sequence that you might have, right? And so that has been tough. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the SEC, because I don't know how long they've been practicing, but I get a sense that they extended their practice time a little bit before their first game. So these SEC teams might actually look a little more polished. I'm, I'm curious to watch how that plays out here over the next couple of weeks to see if the SEC is comes out like immediately being more sharp uh, than the than some of these early Big 12 and uh, uh, ACC games. Also, there have been a number of games that, that got postponed because of COVID. So the mm-hmm. COVID issue is still out there, and it might turn out that in terms of protocol, uh, you know, this rapid testing that the Big Ten has embraced and has said, we're going to do it this way, uh, will we'll be a two-edged sword a little bit in that I think some teams are going to be uh, put on the sidelines by the testing because they're going to find out they've got too many uh, COVID-positive players and they won't be able to continue. Uh, they'll get into the category of red and, and then it's no-go. Um, but, uh, but I also think that it, it will be because of the testing that they won't have to do as much contact tracing okay right. and and the problem that you're having with contact tracing is if you're on a football team and you get covid and you're a running back well what does your contact t- tracing say everyone in that running back room that's been in the same you know uh, breakdown room with all of the other running backs you've been with them many many hours right so what does that mean they're part of your contacts and that means all of those people are now quarantined yep Right. So now you have no running backs left. <laughs> right. 
So, so it's going to require teams to, to coach differently. Like they might have to have like the first team guys uh, in one subgroup and the second team guy in another subgroup. And you, you do your meetings in smaller groups and you do your first team, third team, 15 players, and then your second team, fourth team, 16 player in another group so that you protect half of each group. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're going to have to do a lot of creative things to figure out how they can actually keep themselves eligible during this COVID process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody is adapting all around the world. So yeah, exactly. It's it's no different with football. It does. Absolutely. So, so anyway, that's, uh, that's a a quick take on, uh, you know, the story um, uh, of football uh, for the big 10 this year. And, you know, the message that I would want to say is that, you know, Nebraska has taken a huge amount of heat from the national media, uh, particularly from some idiots, uh, jerk offs like Desmond Howard, who's an absolute idiot and doesn't deserve his position in at ESPN. And then, of course, because he's an ESPN guy, all the ESPN analysts and everything jump on board. And so it's like, you know, uh, uh, choreographed music the way they're all spouting off about Nebraska, even though none of them are even talking the truth. They're, uh, they're claiming that Nebraska threatened to leave the Big Ten Conference. There was all these kinds of things. But the bottom line is Nebraska never did that. All that stuff was inaccurate, BS reporting. And uh, um, I'm very proud of how Nebraska was very consistent. Their message was always the same. We want to play football. We don't even have a national championship or even a conference championship level football team this year. And yet our guys really, really, really want to play. And mm-hmm. so it's about playing the game. It's not about winning football games and we're going to win a championship. For us, it was about the passion to play the football game. And uh, in the deed, the glory, as the side of our stadium says. And uh, uh, that is what they were, uh, were out there trying to play. Right. And I love that about right. uh, what Nebraska well, did. And to, to, to bring a slightly more cynical edge to it, you know, like you had mentioned before with the parents, like it's also an opportunity for those players, you know, in terms of like if they have NFL aspirations or, you know, whatever oh, it may be or, or the new things you can do now with the licensing for players and things like that. So, you know, there's more to it than just, the love of the game, but I get, oh, yeah. oh, I get yeah. your message. <laughs> Absolutely. But when compared to other schools, right, who had more to play for than Nebraska, yeah. Nebraska was the one who pushed the envelope. Nebraska was the one who was honest and forthright and conveyed a consistent message top down the whole time. Right. Uh, no one else in the Big Ten could say that. That's true. All right. So, yeah, I hope you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast. If you did, you can email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You can find us online at uh, College Football Throwdown on podomatic.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you leave a rating or review, we always like hearing from you guys or comments. We'll read them out on the air and let you know what we think. And uh, for our next podcast, as Dad teased earlier, we'll go a little more in depth on some of the, you know, uh, the restrictions and how that may play out in the uh, upcoming Big Ten season. So thank you all there for listening and thank you for being on the podcast today with me, Dad. Absolutely. Yep. And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.